When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Before I get into this episode's advice, I first need to break the fourth podcast wall for a hot second and ask you on ladies for your help, your help and your financial support. No, you aren't listening to NPR during the spring fund drive. A couple weeks ago, I received a very unexpected email informing me that the podcast network that was helping me make Unladylike went out of business, pulled the plug that day. Now, I am still so stubbornly convinced that... I must make this podcast. Also, I'm going to blame y'all a bit on this too. Because when I get emails from unladies about how particular episodes changed their life, it reinvigorates me to keep doing what I do. And the bulk of what I've been doing (laughs) has been making this podcast And I guess the lesson that you are hearing me learn in real time is that, like it or not, comfortable or not, there are times in our lives that (laughs) demand that we push ourselves into, into what feels like a very vulnerable place. And... Here I am. I mean, I guess I really am putting the ask in ask on ladylike. Because <laughs> what I am asking is for your support. For $5 a month or more, you can not only help unladylike continue to stay unladylike, but also to help it grow. Patreon.com slash Unladylike Media. I hope to see y'all over there. Thank you so much for everything you've given me so far. And with that, let's get on with some Ask Unladylike. My husband still brings up my response to when he first said I love you and he felt it was inadequate. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> so I he thinks that I said something like like I paused and was like, oh wow. Hey 
Unladylike. I'm Kristen, and you just heard the co-hosts of the podcast, love to see it, Claire Fallon, sharing what I think is one of the very best responses to I love you that anyone could utter. Oh, wow. (laughs) What is it about those three allegedly magical words in the romantic sense, telling platonic friends and family that we love them. That's a whole other conversation. This episode, we are rolling up our sleeves, putting on our thinking caps, and also getting into some peak garbage television to better understand why I love you is such a big deal and and i'm not being obtuse here like i i get yes it is a declaration of a deep emotional connection desire also though we put the weight of the world it can feel like onto that simple phrase which is actually not so simple after all. And oh yeah, this is, of course, another installment of Ask Unladylike, where I answer listeners' questions that Google could never, even though in the case of I Love You, wow, we are asking the internet how it's supposed to go so much. When I was searching around looking for cultural histories of romantic I Love Yous, Google told me that related searches include When is the right time to say I love you to your boyfriend? Saying I love you after two months. Romantic ways to say I love you for the first time. Okay, I think that at that point you're probably doing a little too much. When to say I love you in a relationship. When to say I love you in a long-distance relationship. Is one month too soon to say I love you? And finally, unconsciously saying I love you. What What does that mean? Like accidentally? Do they mean accidentally saying I love you? Or you're in a coma? I don't know. I didn't click on that one. (laughs) All of the question marks floating around I love you are very common. It's very normal. And it also, in terms of the quote-unquote rules of when to say I love you, who says it first, it gets pretty gendered pretty quickly. And I don't know that all of those question marks magically get resolved when we take gender norms out of the equation in queer relationships. Um, But today's unlady in question, or unlady with question, (laughs) I should say, our unlady, we're going to call Jane, DM'd unladylike on Instagram, at unladylikemedia. DMs are open. Jane said, hey, Kristen, I have a question for your next Ask Unladylike, or more like I need advice and I can't afford therapy. (laughs) First of all, flattered. I am so flattered. If someone can't afford therapy and they're like, hey, you know who I can ask? Kristen. I mean, wow. I am feeling fully validated. And here is the voice memo that Jane sent in with her question. I am 36. I have been in a few long-term relationships, but the one that I am in currently, we've been together for about six months. He is 11 years younger than I am. And ironically enough, 
this is the healthiest relationship I've been in. So I guess my advice or my question really is one of the things that I'm currently struggling with is that I, I'm in love with him. I can definitely sense that he has those feelings for me too, but we have not said it to each other yet. I've always been the one to say it first in a relationship. With this relationship, I've been kind of taking my time and not like doing essentially the bad habits that I used to do in previous relationships because I really want this to work because it's so healthy. We communicate really well and I want to tell him I love him and I keep chickening, chickening out. Like we had a great weekend just this weekend. I had so many moments where I could have said it and I didn't and I don't know what I, why, why? So yeah, help. Has anyone else experienced like trepidation and saying I love you first, especially after a few failed relationships? I don't think that it's our age difference that's holding me back. It's not a big deal to me, but I do think about it just because people do change. I don't know. This is a lot to unpack, isn't it? The short answer to Jane's question, of course, is yes. Yes. Like, other people have definitely experienced this kind of trepidation. And since there is so much to unpack, the way that we're going to work through this, this episode, is we're going to start from the superficial. Because I would say that it's so confounding, the I love you of it all, not only because of whatever internal desires, insecurities, emotions that it can represent for us individually, which is going to be different from person to person, but also because of all the external expectations and calculations of being the first to say I love you and what that is supposed to represent romantically. I mean, if we just look at pop culture, the declaration of I love you or the the asking for an I love you is almost always <laughs> a pivotal plot point. Whatever the genre or setting, we're always making a really big deal out of I love you, which is okay, which is okay. But truly, it's everywhere. And also, since Jane, who identifies as she, her, is dating he, him, it got me thinking about the kind of hetero hell of it all. <laughs> You know, these very gendered frameworks of how relationships, romantic relationships are supposed to unfold, who is supposed to take the lead and when and how. And that got me to a wildly long running franchise on ABC television called The Bachelor. Now, The Bachelor, of course, is in many ways incredibly unreal, but what really got my wheels spinning on it are th the ways that it is so formulaic and so much focused on a lead up to the place that Jane is in of falling in love. You know, they gamified falling in love. So I reached out 
to Emma Gray and Claire Fallon, co-hosts of the fabulous Bachelor Recap podcast, Love to See It, and also the co-authors and co-hosts of their bonus substack, Rich Text, to really understand what I love you means in the most cishet gender normative terms. The reason why I wanted to talk to each of you is I got an advice request from a listener who has been seeing her boyfriend for about six months now, and she is in the full throes of I love you panic of like I of wanting to say I love you but not wanting to be the first one to say I love you and just like feeling all of those feelings all at the same time and doesn't know what to do. Have you ever felt yourself or found yourself in an I love you conflict like this? Oh, yeah. And who hasn't? I mean, also with my current partner, I was the first one to say I love you because I couldn't hold it in. And then there was like a long gap between getting it back. (laughs) So I'm here to tell you, you can just say it and it might be like totally great and fine. I've been the first to say it too. In my first relationship, I had no conception of the fact that I should probably wait until we'd been dating for longer than a week. (laughs) And I just kind of went for it. In fairness to me, I was in college and we had been friends for a long time first in also fairness to him, that was super weird of me to do. But it did work out. You know, he didn't immediately run screaming in the other direction. So I think a relationship can survive if you make the calculation slightly wrong. It's not, you, you know, deep breath. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> Emma, when you say that there was there was a little gap, do you mean in just the moment after you said, I love you? No, she's shaking her head. No, no. I mean, like, there, it was a couple months. It was several months. Yeah. Like, it was, it was long. It was, but here's the thing. Words are important, but also actions are important. And the whole time I was like, he loves me. He's just anxious (laughs) about using certain language. Oh, my God. You have love confidence. Not generally, (laughs) no, which is why I'm this is the relationship I'm still in, (laughs) because this is like the only one that gave me that confidence. But in terms of my larger track record, this confidence was not present. Claire, um, with that college boyfriend, what was his response when you dropped I love you a week in? I don't remember the exact response, but he was not super enthusiastic about saying it back. He also really didn't want to hurt my feelings. So I think we sort of, he was diplomatic about it, and we sort of danced around it for a little while longer. I I was just like, I just wanted to tell you how I feel. You know, it's, I wasn't too hung up on it. Well, I feel like that's kind of the thing, though, that you have to say, I love you because it's something that you feel and you want to say, and the healthiest way to approach it is to express it from a place of like, I'm expressing what I feel, not because you expect or need a specific response. Mm. Hmm. I will say in my second and current relationship, 
I was much more cautious. <laughs> I waited for him to say it first the second time. You're like, I've learned. Yeah. I mean, I was like, it would be, fe- it would feel good to hear it first from the other person this time. So I waited. It's a, it's a tough decision. It is. A lot of emotions. Someone always has to be the first one to say it. You yeah. know, it's really 50 yeah. 50 chance. <laughs> yeah. Real, a real <laughs> coin toss. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Rose Ceremony from Hell. And I also was intimate with both of you. This is like the worst feeling I've ever had. And if you think you know what happens next, guess again. Is I love you a big deal in Bachelor Nation? Like, is it a particularly loaded phrase? Oh, it's extremely loaded. It's the most loaded. It is like this thing that is danced around all season that the lead is supposed to withhold and deploy. And if they deploy it at the wrong time, it has major consequences. And yet there are also many sort of falsely constructed gradations before I love you, that they can use and dance around to indicate what essentially amounts to those same feelings. And on The Bachelor, it's one-way exclusivity. All the contestants are expected to say that they love the lead before the show is over. And if the lead says it back, then it creates a huge mess. So like two seasons ago, Bachelor Clayton told three women that or, that he loved them And it caused absolute chaos because they all, when you hear I love you, you feel that you are the one that he loves, you're chosen. And then they found out that he loved three of them. And so it didn't mean what they thought it meant. And so on The Bachelor, there's this expectation that the lead will try to save that for the final person. Meanwhile, the contestants have to get themselves to the point of saying I love you to prove to him that they are fully committed even before he is able to do the same in return. Oh, I love you is currency. It is asymmetrical. Yeah. It is asymmetrically given yeah. out currency in Bachelor They World. bring it to him as a tribute of their yes. commitment. <laughs> and he his task is to resist the overwhelming pressure that you feel in the moment to say, I love you too. And to instead say something like, it means so much to hear that from you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How did this guy explain away saying I love you to not not one, two, but three different people? In ineffectively. Well, he, didn't really. he didn't. He just kept saying <laughs> it's so bad apart. that I'm in love with three women. And then he made a complete mess of the whole thing and ended up very sad and then got back together with one of the women. It was a mess. Um, Yeah, the season essentially ended at the point where they all realized that he had said, I love you to all of them. And um, he wasn't able to claw that back. But sometimes when they say it to two women, they're able to massage it a little bit, you know, and say, you are the one that I'm fully giving my heart to. Like, I am choosing you. Like, you're my partner. And the, The Bachelor is a very monogamous show although he is dating openly throughout 
it's understood that they are all getting a monogamous relationship at the end. So if you give that kind of declaration that's usually reserved for within that commitment, you feel that that is to you alone. And then it turns out he's just handing it out like candy. Emma, you mentioned the different gradations like leading up to I love you. Um, tell me about those. Like, what is some of the the bachelor speak in the lead up to love? You might be able to see that you could fall for that person. You might be falling for them. You might be then falling in love with them. And then finally, you are in love. Yeah. It's, it's, I can see it. I am falling. I'm falling in love. I'm in love. love. Yeah. And so these are ways that the contestants, especially in The Bachelor, or Bachelorette can sometimes use these as well in order to give a hint of reciprocity before they say, I'm in love with you. They might say, I'm falling for you. But mainly they're for the contestants to, at the appropriate points, indicate that they are the right amount of invested in the lead, that he's not going to get to the end or she's not going to get to the end and find out that the person they've picked isn't really into them at all. It's like, I'm exactly as in love with you as I'm supposed to be at this point. Like, we're... When we get to the end and you say, I love you, I choose you, I'm going to be right there with you. We are progressing. Yeah. <laughs> but on The Bachelorette, are there any expectations still, kind of gendered expectations that the guys should say it first? It's kind of always the responsibility of the contestant to say that first, because the lead is the one who's withholding it. And that that holds whether it's the lead is a man or a woman. What I think is interesting, though, is that it is gendered in the sense that it's much easier for that norm to be held on the bachelorette. You know, yeah. there's not discomfort for a man in the same way to declare himself to a woman and not hear that back because that is like the paradigm already. I think it's easier for the woman to receive that gracefully and to not blurt out, I love you. We don't have these incidents where bachelorettes just going around saying, I love you to all of the men in the same way. I think that there is a socialization that it's okay for them to receive that. And just kind of let it sit there. Yeah. So I do think that there's something about that that contributes to the bachelor often having this get messy. Because <laughs> it's been happening for years. Like We've had bachelors say, I love you to multiple women on and off, at least since Ben Higgins. What's interesting is they have been acknowledging sex a lot more openly in recent seasons, and it's made it worse. (laughs) So, (laughs) Because it's on TV, you have this added element of the audience as this unspoken third party and the audience response. And everyone who's on the show is so aware of what the larger culture might think of them if they do have sex or talk about sex. And so I think that the TV element really confounds the ability to like be really open about sexual desire. Yeah, the more openly they acknowledge sex, the messier. It just it turns both sex and declarations of love into a way that you're competing with other 
suitors instead of just a very intimate and personal decision, which is one way that we the way that we lead up to like, and I love you in a relationship is not by saying, I'm falling for you, I can see myself being in love with you, I'm falling in love with you. But we give those cues in other ways that that we are on that track and that we'll be receptive when we hear I love you through intimate private interactions that they kind of are denied on The Bachelor. And it all becomes these like yardsticks that they're comparing relationships with. What do you think that Bachelor speak and just the way that dating reality shows talk about love or or don't, what do you think that they reflect about real world pursuits of love? Oh, man, so much. That is literally what we talk about on our show <laughs> each and every week because it is so layered. But I, I think I think it does reflect this desire for order among love when that's not really possible. And also this sort of moment that we're at in a in the culture where thank goodness gender roles have really expanded we have like a less rigid idea of gender and sexuality overall and that has also left people in this place where they are trying to like navigate and negotiate in real time what norms they should be following or what norms and steps will get them to the relationship that they want. And The Bachelor is just like a fundamentally regressive, hetero, white, Christian space, like by design. It is a white, hetero, Christian marriage show. And so I think that The Bachelor almost reflects this like bygone vision of what love and courtship could be or should be and it provides a landscape upon which modern daters can distance themselves from it and also sort of find comfort in these rituals even if they're fundamentally like patriarchal and not super great for women yeah i think that's right i mean the anxiety of being in a relationship for six to 12 months and you're like i feel like this is going well but what should i expect from my partner should i have expected them to say i love you by now should i expect them to know whether they want to move in together by the end of the year there's a lot of flexibility in how people approach relationships and so that often leaves you feeling like i don't know what i'm allowed to expect from a relationship that's going well and on the bachelor it's down to like a science if he doesn't say he's falling in love with you by this date, well, then you're going to pick one of the other three guys and send him home because he hasn't he hasn't been keeping up with his his allotted deadlines. <laughs> and that is both absurd to watch and extremely rigid and comical. But yeah, like we all kind of want to know when we're allowed to say you should be in let you should know whether you're in love with me by now. You should know by now, we've been dating two years. So I do think that there is like immense comfort in that. I think you're absolutely right. It's like, I mean, I started recapping the show with Claire when I was very single and dating and was exhausted by going on dates and they all felt wrong. And there was just something, it like hit something inside me to see it distilled down to, yeah, kind of a science and knowing that at the end, 
you were going to get the thing that you wanted as the lead. I mean, that has shifted a bit like on The Bachelor in the last few years, but it is this fundamental idea that like, well, if you take these steps, you can expect these things. And at the end, you get a fiance. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yay. A fiance you probably won't marry, but you know, a that's fiance off screen, you that's might later. hate and be <laughs> very incompatible with. But like, then they're off the TV and we don't need to think about that. What about on the flip side? Any advice for people who who do feel overwhelmed at being presented with an I love you and I honestly think The Bachelor does give us a lot of examples of how you can receive that if you're not ready to say it back. And consistently, the ones that go the best on the show are to acknowledge how powerful that moment is and to express positive feelings about hearing it (laughs) at minimum, even if you can't say it back yet, to to kind of match your partner's emotional investment in that moment rather than trying to be dismissive. You just want to do something that will not induce the other person to panic. And I think as long as you're just like, thank you, I care about you, I'm in this, that's the most important thing to communicate. Yeah. I think that I'm in this speaks to the insecurity that the listener is is grappling with right now. I get it. Like that is terrifying because what you're doing is you're presenting this big vulnerability on a silver platter to your partner and being like, are you going to make me feel safe Yeah, that I have done this? Similar to like, do you propose if you're the woman and your partner is a man or do you ask the person out There is always that hesitation that's like, well, if they wanted that, they would have known it was their assigned social role to do it themselves. And so they must not feel that way. And I think that adds an extra element of terror, which is clearly this isn't going to go well, or he would have said it already. So do I just do it and get it over with so that I have the answer expecting a bad (laughs) result? Or do I wait and hope that he decide spontaneously to to initiate this conversation. It is really scary, especially if you feel like, oh, this is going on. We're past the point where I would personally have wanted this to happen. But yeah, I do think that there can be a good outcome, even if he's not ready to say that magic phrase. something that I didn't talk about with Emma and Claire, you know, I I asked at the end about feeling a little uncomfortable receiving the I love you if you are also still wanting to be an active participant in that relationship. But we didn't get into an unwanted I love you and the fact that it is okay. And I do want to state here and now (laughs) on the podcast that you don't have to receive someone's I love you and match it back. The fact that someone says they love you doesn't mean that you must stay with them forever. Because I love you can also be 
very weaponized very quickly to isolate and emotionally abuse another person. I mean, this also side tangents us off into the world of love bombing and what it means when someone is just showering you with I love yous and affection as a way to keep you there and forgive unacceptable behavior and treatment. But in the kind of puritanical culture that we see reflected in Bachelor Nation, yes, and also the kind of purity culture that I was raised with, I love you felt so imperative to me for rationalizing premarital sex when I was younger. I love you, I think, for a lot of folks <laughs> raised in those environments feels like a necessary threshold to cross if you are going to commit the carnal sin of having sex. Although being in love will not justify the sin of giving oneself over to the lust of the flesh. Certainly not. But it will at least allow you to plead your case. Okay. And then you can deal with the repercussions with God down the road from that. And if there are any unladies listening who know the book True Love Waits, I would love to hear from you. These days, if, if, if we aren't talking about a True Love Waits style purity culture, like Emma and Claire were saying, the gender norms around relationships have loosened. And also, we wait longer than ever before to get married if we even decide to get married. Shout out to all my single unladies. The singlehood stigma is so real. And since we have more time on our hands, of course, then we are looking for mile markers along the way. But the thing, though, about the, the weight of I love you today is also how cultural this whole thing is. And I don't want to say that it is a particularly American phenomenon, but it's certainly a strong feature. There are a lot of places where I love you is reserved only for romantic expression and even then only for your current or future spouse. Like, Americans, we give away I love yous like candy at a parade. We are just pelting everybody with I love you. And that is not the case everywhere. And and I think this bit of perspective hopefully can offer some comfort to Unlady Jane as well of putting putting it into perspective just why it feels so so weighty. Because if, let's say, Jane lived in Finland, she probably would not be at this emotional crossroads. Yeah, Finland. I know. Very specific. Why am I getting so specific? Well, it's partly an excuse to let y'all hear this <laughs> kind of wild 1993 clip about uh, the Finns absence of I love you on a little show called 60 Minutes with the iconic theme song tick 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 Do people tell each other that they love each other? Well I'd say you could say it once in a lifetime if you say you have been married for 
for 20 years, perhaps your spouse is on her deathbed. You could comfort her with saying I love you. But uh, it's not funny. It's easier to me to say, like to my boyfriend, that I love you. It's, we have heard it on, on TV, on movies. <laughs> it's easier to me to say, I love you, than minä rakastan sinua. It doesn't hurt very nice if I say, I love you in you Finnish. You totally embarrassed when you say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we don't use I love you so much as you do. You love almost, almost everybody. <laughs> <laughs> when a Finnish guy or man said, I love you, he really means it. I know. <laughs> and thanks to one Lady Jane uh, and my research for this episode, I now know that in academia, declaring I love you would be referred to as an intimacy expression. And Americans are very liberal with our intimacy expressions. There are also Latinx cultures that are even more liberal with romantic, passionate, I love yous. But according to a study called Emotion Expression and the Locution, I Love You, a cross-cultural study, like in American culture, we're kind of weirdos for all this love we're doling out. And I say weirdos in a joking sense. But in a lot of cultures, to openly say I love you, whether you mean it romantically or even to other family members, is very uncomfortable to everybody. Or possibly a sign of immaturity. Like you you can't control yourself and you're you're being indecorous by just Letting, letting your emotional guts hang out all over the place. Like, it, it simply is not done. And something that this study found, and granted, it was a relatively small participant pool, so grain of salt, but a number of the participants talked about how the English phrase, I love you, oh, yeah, this comes up, too, in that 60 Minutes piece of how I love you in English is also... Sometimes easier to say, it rolls off the tongue a little more smoothly than in other languages, and that might be part of why Americans are, are, are quite into I love you. But I want to share a couple example responses from folks in this study. One Jamaican-American woman said, I dated someone American who thought I was cold because I didn't say the word. I just can't use the word so freely. Love is a very strong word, and I want to make sure that I mean it and not say it because it is expected of me, which, as it should be, as it should be. A Romanian-Hungarian woman was very blunt about it. She said, it shows the weakness of the person who couldn't control herself or himself and had to burst out. But one factor in all of this that did hold cross-culturally was the gendered factor of it, that men are supposed to take initiative when telling a woman that he loves her. But once the first I love you has been said, studies suggest that women tend to say it more often. A, a number of studies have also suggested that men would rather show I love you than say I love you, or he would would rather be the first to set the pace for it, which, you know, I'm over it. I'm over it. As long as we are getting ourselves bent out of shape about the shoulds, 
and the rules and the what ifs. What are we going to revert to? We're going to revert to these these dusty old paradigms. And it doesn't help that even more than it used to be, I Love You is considered this pinnacle. And I mean, that's the thing about rom-coms, right? They always end at the I Love You. Same as The Bachelor and Bachelorette. It ends with I Love You. But what about after that? Okay, and ladies, um, I really, really, really want to know what your I love you stories are, what your feelings around I love you are. Have you experienced any cultural differences when it comes to I love you? Queer unladies, does the narrative shift at all with the traditional gender norms tossed out the window? Thank goodness. Hello at unladylike.co is where you can send your emails or voice memos. And you can also obviously DM me on Instagram at unladylikemedia. Speaking of which, at unladylikemedia is where you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I can't wait to hear from you. And also, I can't wait for you to hear. Love to see it. Thank you so very much to its co-hosts. Emma Gray and Claire Fallon for coming on the show, giving their personal advice and bachelor insights. You can listen to Love to See It on all the podcast places, and you can also find their newsletter, Rich Text, over on Substack. Unladylike is an unladylike production made by me, Kristen Conger. It's just me. Our music is still by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen, and Sarah Tudson. Don't forget about Patreon, friends. $5 a month. Help a girl survive. Yeah, I, I call myself a girl. I am a woman. Just kidding. I am a woman. And I'm an unlady. And you can support me for $5 a month or more at patreon.com slash unladylikemedia. I am starting to lose my mind because it is a bit hot in my attic where I am recording. And now... I will leave you with a closer clip. Okay, so, so you just said that to me for the first time, knowing that it would make my day more stressful. That's correct. Because you know that I've never said that to anyone else, aside from my parents twice and one time at, at a Mariah, Mariah Carey concert. I know.